0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the church lobby every Sunday.
1: Yep, and like we say every single week, if you have any questions that you would like answered about the Bible, feel free to email us at info at Message us on Facebook. You can look us up at The Grove Church on Facebook. It's a page. Like it too. Follow us. You'll stay up to date with other things. Or you can even, uh, you know, call us or, or see us in the lobby. Ask us questions. We love answering questions. And we do a Q&A episode at the end of every uh, every month, last Friday of every month. But uh, today is a special episode because it is our 20th episode. Woo! Not including Q&A. Uh, with those, I think we're at 24. Four. 24. 24. Yeah. But we're at 20. I think it's a milestone. That means we're over a third of the way through the year. Yeah, we're getting, we're closing in on it. That's insane. So you guys are one third of the way through the Bible podcast and the Bible reading plan. So I just want to say congratulations. Um, but with that, let's hop into this week's Bible talk.
0: All right. So we're going to kick it off with the book of Joshua. Um, we're actually wrapping it up this week. So we powered through it in just two weeks. So um, kind of nice to do it there. And... Uh, I'm, I'm sure like we've mentioned before, uh, Joshua is just a really great read uh, just because it's it's narrative driven. You're able to kind of work your way through it. And I think one of the most powerful parts of the book of Joshua comes at the end. So if you remember, uh, if we're splitting the book into three parts, the very beginning part, uh, most of which we read in the first week or last week, uh, is the people of Israel conquering uh areas of Canaan. So basically destroying cities, taking hold of the land. The second part is how that land is divided up among the tribes. And so it's, it's, pretty interesting when you read into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, if you have a study Bible, the maps at the back are also really helpful for, with that. You also notice that the Levites don't get land because they get the privilege of being priests. So yes. fun fact there. Um, and then the last section is really just the end ministry, uh, the end of Joshua's life, and, and, and really the end of his ministry. And so, um, again, we, like we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, really wrapping up the book of Deuteronomy by talking about the end of Moses's life. I want to do the same thing uh, with Joshua because it's also really powerful. Um, but I don't want to pick it up at his death. I actually want to pick it up uh, with the last things that he says to the people of Israel. And I think um, in our culture, and I, I would I would assume most cultures. Uh, your last words are something that you really think about. Like, it's just one of those things I even um, is something as silly as like, every time I'm talking to like my family who they live in California, I live up here in, uh, in Washington, and so I always make sure that the last thing I say is I love you just because, yeah. you know, and maybe it's a morbid thought, but I always, I always like to think like, in case that's the last thing yeah. I say, I want that to be yeah. it. So.
1: I mean, a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately, my grandmother passed away, um, kind of unexpectedly. She got mm-hmm. a diagnosis of just some weird form of blood cancer. She was 90. So she lived a full life. Um, uh, but I got to spend two and a half hours with her right before it happened. Um, you know, a few, a few days before it happened. And she just told me like the entire genealogy of our family and how we came to be, uh, in church and everything it was so impactful and and this is what joshua is about to do to the yeah. people that remember he took over from moses so he was like the second guy he was like the young buck that probably a lot of people um didn't trust at first mainly because of his age and his inexperience um but now we see through all of this they've entered the promised land and now he's giving him his final regards
0: yeah it's interesting that um i didn't think about it until you brought it up but yeah he especially like around when Mo- it's becoming clear that Joshua is going to be able to take the mantle. Like he is um, a young buck, but then he makes a transition into like, by the time the book of Joshua actually starts, he's like him and Caleb are a generation older than everyone else, yeah. which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. It's crazy how that works out. But anyway, uh, Joshua chapter 24 verses 19 through 26. I'll read this really quick and then we'll talk about it. Um, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and and put in place statues and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was the sanctuary of the Lord. And then to skip ahead really quick to verses 29 through 31, after saying these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died, being 110 years old. So, slightly younger than Moses when he died. Uh, also, really old. <laughs> also, still very old. <laughs> and they buried him in his own inheritance at timnath which is the hill in the country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all these days on all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. And so it's interesting because I think Deuteronomy ends on, um, it also ends with the death of really a hero of, of, of the faith, a hero of the Jewish people. But it's, it's an uplifting note. Like even though Moses dies, it's kind of saying like now it's time go take hold of this promise that God has for you. The ending of Joshua really sets up, and we're gonna get to it later in the episode, it really sets up um, this constant struggle that's gonna be happening with the people of Israel. And I think it's really interesting that he says, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions of your sins. We know um, that God does forgive Israel time and time and time again. And yet um, they are just incapable mm-hmm. of actually keeping the law and following along with it, which is something that, you know, obviously we have the the benefit of um, being modern people and having the new Testament, all yeah. these different things. And so we see what Paul is talking about when he says that, you know, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like even the people of Israel who wanted to serve the Lord. And you see, like they're saying right here, like we are witnesses. We're going to serve this. We're going to serve the Lord um, earlier in Joshua says, you know, choose a state whom you will serve all these different things. Um, and yet they fail. Yeah. Time and time again, it's a, it's sad. Really. Yeah,
1: and and I think the verse 31 kind of says it, and, and it's the first time I read this, I remember reading it, and, and I thought it was like kind of like a happy note, but then I kind of realized, I think it's kind of sad at the end of it, yeah. where it says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And when it gets specific like that, you also have to read what it's not saying. It's saying that once those elders that outlived Joshua died... Yeah. It means that they fell away.
0: Once the people who observed what Observe, actually happened yeah. in the book.
1: And, and it's just so sad. And I think it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago of passing along the stories of, you know, of who God is and passing it along to the next generation. Because the reality is uh, that we're going to get into this actually in a few short minutes here is the Israelites go through a lot of turmoil. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of stuff that they brought on themselves – and honestly, it's it's not that I don't want to blame them. I don't want to make excuses for them because they're their own people. But it's also it's it's too it's it's sad that there was a generation of people that served God so much that they didn't pass it along and that the the next generation kind of fell away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, well with that, um we are also reading in Psalms again this week and I just want to highlight Psalms 133. And as I was reading this, there was just one phrase that stuck out to me. And and I don't know, maybe God inclined my ear to to this, whatever. But when I'm reading this, there's a, there's a sentence that God downloaded in my heart is that there is power and blessing in unity. Um, it says this, Psalms 133. We're going to read the whole thing. So buckle your seatbelt. Um, it's up. super long. Just kidding. It's three verses. But it says this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the borders of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Mount
0: Hermon dew is my favorite mountain dew. So
1: Did I say Mount Hermon? Oh, you're lying to me right now. Did I say Mount Hermon dew? No, no, it was oh. do from my. <laughs> you're saying a Mountain Dew joke. Thank yes. Yeah, so oh you, my god! Could,
0: obviously, it was really funny. So good, good to know.
1: I'm like sitting here. I'm like, oh man, did I get that wrong? But then you're making a Mountain Dew joke. So yeah, you know, this is how I like to roll. Wow, we weren't unified in that. <laughs> uh, no, I think that there is so much wisdom in three verses right here. There are so many times where it is so easy to be divisive and to just add to. um Just toxic conversation. Right. And I think it's important for us to remember that God has given us a specific blessing when we're unified in his will for our lives. And like, especially in the church, like straight up, let's be honest, Evan, um, just because we work in a church doesn't mean that we're all unified all the time. Sure. Especially the staff. A lot of us are leaders and we want to do things. And and it's not saying that we're we're not unified, but what it's saying is like there it's it's really easy in the church world, and thank God God has blessed our church that we don't really have to deal with this. But there's a lot of churches out there that y- there's no unity. It's everybody's doing what they want to do and what's best for them is best for them. And it kind of goes back to that verse um, where it says and and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. And there's no unity in that. And Last what, line of the book of Judges. It is which we'll be talking about later. Oh, I didn't want to get into it that much, <laughs> but. But basically, I just want us to understand there is power and there is blessing in unity. When we are unified on the same mission for God, That and, and it's not monetary, it's not like physical or, or even like maybe even tangible blessing that you can hold, but it's like a spiritual blessing to know that I'm unified and I'm on the same team as these people who have the same mission from God right. to literally... Um, just do his work there's just there's power in it and I love it yeah and I
0: think as christians there's so much more that unites us than divides us and I think it's um it's a really unhealthy thing to get caught up in you know the differences that we may have big or small um but realistically there's there's a very small list of things yeah that should lead to disunity and for yeah. the most part we should understand like you know what are we all about we're all about the saving work of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. we're all about reaching people who haven't known him yet and growing deeper in our relationship yeah. with God like
1: Mm-hmm. awesome yeah like like things that we hold with like an open hand are like um you know like way, sty- ways of doing ministry yeah style of style of music played or but unfortunately i mean i've seen it time time again things like that are what divide the church and it's not even like important things it's things that christians um us everyone who's listening so let's make this a warning it's we put our preference over what god you know, is or it's like it's like we almost put preference over progress. Yeah. And like, well, we're progressing in this way. Well, I'm gonna put my foot down and make a scene and divide a church. And that's not anything I ever want to be a part of. And I'm glad we don't have people like that at this church. But it's also a and it's I think it goes to more than just the church as well. I think it's in our marriages. I think it's in the way we serve our families. I think it's in the way that we even serve our church, is doing it in unity. And where there's unity, there's blessing. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's great.
0: Well, moving forward, uh, we are wrapping up the book of Philippians this week. Yeah, we so are really, it, yeah, really quick, uh, easy uh, letter to read. It's only four chapters, but there's one thing that I want to talk about uh, that I think is just re- <laughs> it's a really interesting thing that comes up a lot. So probably, I, I won't even say probably. Like the most famous verse in Philippians is um, Philippians four thirteen, which says, "I can do all things through Christ uh, through Him who gives me strength." Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. So, even fly, but he, so. And, <laughs> The thing I wanted to get across is like – because I don't want this to come across as like just being really grumpy about whatever it is. But it, it's so important that when we read the Bible that we don't just take things completely out of the context of what surrounds it. Because it gets really annoying when – um, you know, think about even when you listen to – um, like every year – um, on the History Channel around Easter, there's like always stuff about how like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And like, if you like look into like a bunch of the arguments or if you look into even um, like atheists who are arguing that the Bible is inconsistent, they're taking like a single sentence completely out of context of everything that's going on. And then they just point to it and say,
1: look at this. And so- Yeah, when they wouldn't do that with any other argument in any other form.
0: Yeah, it's just- it's really intellectually dishonest um but i do think one of the one of the things that this verse has come to mean is kind of this just kind of um this just generic um happy thing that we say like i can pass this math test because god gives me strength or i can do you know x because god gives me strength and, and here's here's what i do want to say um i'm not saying that god doesn't Help us that the Holy Spirit doesn't empower us to be able to do things. But let's take a look at the context of this entire verse and then see what we're thinking. So if I read verses 10 through 13, here's how it reads I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every and every any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And so, really, what Paul is is writing is this beautiful sentiment about. And remember, when we talked about when we introduced Philippians, Paul is writing this from prison. So this is towards the end of Paul's life. Paul is fully aware that. Um, he's probably never going to leave Rome again. The church at Philippi writes him concerned. He's thanking them for them for their concern. And then he says that he's had plenty of money before, plenty of food. He's lived abundantly. He's also lived um, incredibly poor. He's lived free, uh, yeah. which is when we have most of the epistles, This is, or at least most of the book of Acts as well. This is how he's lived. He's also lived in prison. This is not the first time uh, that Paul's been in prison. Remember from Acts, how many times, like, Paul gets out of prison for yeah. different things. Paul and
1: Barnabas, or is it Paul and Silas that were in prison and they had the worship uh, service? That was Silas, Silas, when they're yeah. singing, yep. And they yeah.
0: And so the, the idea that Paul is getting at is not necessarily this idea that um like we can do everything. Um, because that's realistically that's not true. Like there are things that we're incapable of doing. What what he is saying is that regardless of situation, we can fulfill the call that God has in our life because yeah because he gives us strength to do so. So Paul is able, even in this moment of pain, even in this moment of really facing his own mortality, he's able to still continue the work that God has given him to do because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. And I think also, and, and this is just, you know, this is just the Instagram bio verse that I see a lot or the tweet that people throw out. You know, I can do all things that Christ who gives me strength. And, What I do love about this is that it gets misquoted all the time, let's be honest. It it gets misquoted all the time. But even in that, he gives me strength. Well, he wouldn't give me strength if I didn't need to do something with that strength. There's so much ownership that we need to put on ourselves, even in this verse, in that even if we take it out of context to say, man, like there's also work for me to do here. But the reality is so many people will just be like what you're saying. Well, I didn't study for this. And so... (laughs) Philippians 4.13, man, I'm going to pass this test because God's going to give me the answers. Like, no, that's not that's not what the promise is at all. Yeah. It's talking about life circumstances. There have been seasons of my life where I'm literally questioning, like, God, can you help me, like, in any way, shape, or form? And this verse is giving me comfort because it's literally a promise saying that, hey, wherever you find yourself in poor, uh you know, and, and if you're poor, if you have an abundance, if you are in need, if you are questioning what whatever season of life, good or bad, he goes, you can do it. You can walk through this season of life because I'm going to supply you with the strength.
0: And I think it's an important thing too, like, even for me, like, as I'm praying, um, it's so important to make sure that we're checking our heart. Like, am I asking God to help me do what I want to do? Or am I pursuing what God wants me to do? That's good. And I think... Um, A lot of times that gets cleared up. There's a lot of stories that are incredibly interesting about um, people whose lives just took a left turn that they weren't expecting, but it turns into something beautiful. And that's not something that they were necessarily wanting to happen. Like, Paul doesn't want to be in prison right now. His whole thing is not saying, I wanted to be in prison um, and God let that happen for me. But it's really this idea that even in the midst of being in prison, I can do what God has called me to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we're actually going to um, hop over to another one of um, Paul's prison epistles. That's what they're called. I don't know if we ever said that, but he writes four prison epistles, um, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians, and? Second Timothy? Mm, or is it three? No, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I got it right here. Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians. There oh, it is. There Philemon. That was one I was missing. And um, straight up, I just want to be honest um, Colossians is my favorite book of the Bible. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, it's a short read. Um, it's only a few chapters. Um, but what I love about this, um, and maybe I just have a weird memory for it. (laughs) Like just like the reason why I love it so much is because of this one memory that was attached to it. I was sitting in a Starbucks, um, right after I graduated college and I was just going through the ringer. Um, some of you, um, maybe one day I'll share the whole story of what actually happened. I've, I've kind of said it really quickly. Um, but I kind of went through like an identity crisis of, I graduated, I was moving away from the church that I had been a part of, um, not just me for, um, like my entire life, but like my entire family had been there since 1958 and I was getting huh. engaged and I was uh, not just moving down the street. I was moving down to Northern California and I just, I literally had an identity crisis and, um, it was just one of the days where I just decided to start reading Colossians, and Colossians 119, it really spoke to me. It just just talks about how much God does love us and care for us, and we're not going to really hop into it. And this is actually a funny story. I'm sitting in Starbucks, and I'm reading it, and it just was one of those moments where like all of the emotion of everything that was happening hit me. You ever had one yeah. of those? And oh, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, <laughs> I'm in Starbucks, and I'm like weeping, like <laughs> like like ugly cry, like weeping, and I'm trying to like not make a scene or whatever and this lady, she was sitting next to me and she was this older lady and she like pats me on the back. She's like, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, ma'am, I'm fine. I'm just reading my Bible or whatever. And she kind of like gave me this weird look and she was like, Okay, cool, whatever. And I look over and she had all of the Fifty Shades of gray books on her desk right there. Very different. <laughs> yeah, reading. very different reading. And um she felt super uncomfortable that I told her that I was reading uh the Bible, but it made me laugh. And that's a story that um is I, I love it. I don't know why I love it. Um uh, but Colossians, like I said, one of my favorite books, um, giving, give you a quick overview. We're reading the whole book this week. Um, and so I'm just going to give you a quick overview and a quick lens to view it through. So Paul wrote this book, like we said, uh, while he was in prison around AD 60 and, um, Whoa, my microphone almost just fell over. Sorry about that, audience. <laughs> uh, at the same – and this was around the same time he wrote his other three prison epistles, which was Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon, um, which is actually why as we read them, we're going to see um, that they all have a similar tone to them Um, except really for Philippians. Philippians um, is just a letter of thanks. Um, But the church at Colossae, which is the name of the city, uh, it was in its early life. Um, So obviously 60 years after Jesus died, the early church and Paul is here to help them. Um, So the early believers uh, needed to be set on the proper path with correct teaching. Um, Now, we don't have a specific answer to what um, heresy was um, flying around, but based on his writings, we can get a glimpse into these areas that uh, Paul is correcting them on. Um, heresy. Basically, if you don't know, heresy is just anything that um, somebody would say from my pulpit that is contrary to the nature of God or His saving grace. Yeah, um, and these would be closed-handed
0: yeah. issues being contradicted. Yes, not these open-handed. are things that
1: we should split churches over, not things that are preference. It's doctrine, right? Um, and so he he is um correcting them, obviously. In the heresy, there was a couple of things. The first one was that um, that because of the early church and their strong ties to early judaism there was this message of you need to do sacrifices and you need to honor these rituals and these other um these other festivals to earn your salvation so obviously Paul is writing to say, no, that's not what it's about. Because of Jesus, we now have access to the Father. And then um, there was another another part of this, and it was an early form of Gnosticism. And I'm going to give you a definition of what Gnosticism is because it's kind of a big word. Um, It's a prominent heretical movement in the second century Christian church, partly of pre-Christian origin. Uh, Gnostic doctrine taught that the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity, and that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being, an esoteric knowledge of whom enabled the redemption of the human spirit. So basically what it's trying to say is Jesus was just a really enlightened guy. He wasn't actually God. Now we can see why this is an issue. We can see that um, this would be something that really is dangerous if you get into, because if Jesus is just a teacher, then we're doing all of this for naught. And along with this um it just i think it's important to understand that um uh, cs lewis puts it puts it pretty simple jesus was either a liar a lunatic or lord he's one of the three and paul is combating this this idea that jesus was just a man who was enlightened um but all in all i want to kind of tie this up and give you maybe just um a way to read it this is a great book it's a phenomenal study Uh, For those of us who have people in our lives that call themselves spiritual, which I'm putting in air quotes, um, but not religious um, because of just the Gnostic roots in here. Um, And what I do love about this uh, verse, uh, chapter one, verse 15, Paul's central theme was that Jesus was the son of God and that he was truly fully God and fully man. And verses uh, 15 and chapter one says this, he is the visible image of the invisible God. So, read Colossians with this lens.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, just when you look into ancient heresies, it's funny how as Christians, we believe that Jesus is fu- fully God and, and fully man, um, and both sides of those have come up. And so, I know like we talked about just now people who believe that Jesus was just a man, he wasn't God. Um, and there was even heresies that believe that Jesus was just god he was just a spirit and then he wasn't man and there's kind of like it's just interesting when you look at the history of things about Mm how um the gospels are really trying to tell the story of like you need to understand like jesus is fully a man he is fully god those two things coexist how it all works we don't really get the
1: privilege of that information but what we do know is that if it doesn't like just to put it in layman's term we're screwed sure
0: Like Paul talks about, um, I forgot which letter it's in right now, but if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, uh, then we should be pitied more than anyone else. Or in other words, if what we believe is not true, everything rests on it. And I think there's even a movement in modern um, just academia or even like liberal Christianity saying like, I I forgot where I read it the other day, but it was saying um, like, well, so let's say we find out that Jesus... Um, actually had a human father, like it wasn't a God, it wasn't a virgin birth. It was just like, you know, it was just some guy and all these different things. Like, well, that wouldn't really make any difference. Like, well, no, it would make yeah the gospels, it'd make the gospels a lie. And so that's the idea of um, making sure that we're holding fast to the truth that God has for us. And Paul is doing really important mm-hmm. work of combating uh, really lies that are being told about about who Jesus is. Yep. So the last thing we want to talk about today is introducing the book of Judges. We'll have to do a little bit uh, quicker just because we're running up on time. Um, but like we teased a little bit with Joshua, uh, Judges is a long narrative book. So again, it's, it's written as stories about different people that God raises up uh, to deliver Israel. In. And so the way that this kind of works is um, God does something amazing. So let's call it Joshua. The whole book of Joshua, God time and time again performs miracles. He allows his people to do incredible things. Um, And then as time goes on, the people of Israel forget about that. They begin to reject God. um, And then God basically stops protecting them. And so bad things will happen. The people will cry out um, and they'll ask God for deliverance. And God in his mercy will deliver them. And he raises up people called judges. And so these are people who just uh, come up. In different ones, there's really famous ones like I'm sure you've heard of Samson, Gideon, Deborah. Um, there's less famous ones with interesting stories like there's Jephthah, Othniel, Ehud, who mm-hmm. uh, this is the first time it's my favorite one. It's the one where he uh, I'm just gonna spoil it for you. He uh, he stabs, uh, as the Bible says, <laughs> a very fat man, and then the guards don't discover uh, he. Uh, is dead. dead until he like basically he pooped his pants and then yeah they smell it so there you go if you ever need just a spoiler alert spoiler alert god wins. is pretty dope <laughs> and he's left-handed which uh you know what all the best people in the world are left-handed thanks so.
1: for alienating about 97 percent of the population but, but.
0: those three percent of you who are with me go left-handed just live live long I
1: don't know you know there was a a teaching in the early Catholic church that if you were left-handed, <laughs> you had a demon inside of you. So maybe we should bring that back. Shouldn't we have? I don't know what you're talking about.
0: All right. But anyway, sorry, getting back to, uh, getting back to seriousness. Um, the book of judges, as we're reading it, and we've said this a couple times with different stories in the Bible, especially when we're talking about numbers, don't read this as like, Oh, those stupid Israelites who just can't get it together. Um, that's kind of true, but, the important that lesson that we need to deal, that we need to take from it is that we are Israel. Um, time and time again, God shows us grace, love, and mercy, um, and we sin and we break the law. We reject God's love, and there's two ways to read Judges. You can read it as kind of this really sad state where you just keep seeing Israel time and time again fall short. <coughs> Excuse me, but the other way to read it is really this incredible testament to God's love, to God's mercy, to God's grace, that these people keep rejecting him. They keep falling back on what they've uh, promised to do, the promise they made to Joshua that we are going to serve the Lord. We are witnesses today. They don't hold up to that. And yet God still shows them love yeah. and he shows them mercy. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, this is not just a thing in Judges. I think one of the most interesting things in uh, my church history class that I took was it's uh, it was just showing the cycle of revivals. And so you'll see like... Um, historical events called like the Great Awakenings, for instance, where just there's massive people coming back to Christianity. There's massive people. uh, There's a kind of a renewal of the gospel. And what almost inevitably inevitably happens is that first generation of people who are just have their hearts completely moved by the Holy Spirit in that moment uh, are just on fire for God. And that second generation takes it for granted. So there's still uh, doing the Lord's work. They're still serving God, but they're just kind of like taking it for granted. And then by the third or the fourth generation, um, a lot of it's just been forgotten about. Yeah. We see that cycle in judges. We see it in numbers. We see it throughout the whole Bible. We see it in just history in general.
1: Yeah. And I just, I do love judges and, and I'll just tease it a little bit because it is constantly, a book about God's constant love for his people and his provision. Uh, We're going to be covering the topic of, it's something called the cycle of judges. Right. Um, And this is just a repeated pattern that Israel will fall into time and time again. And it really, it demonstrates Israel's apostasy, which is like essentially turning their back willingly against God and going the other way. Mm -hmm. yet God's love and deliverance for them. And that's when he would raise a judge up and, you know, all these other nations would come through and and take over Israel and oppress them. And then one day they'd start crying out, God, have you forgotten about us? God, have you forgotten about us? And he would raise up a judge and the judge would free the people and the people would be on like this spiritual camp high for a little bit. And then they'd fall back in and then another country would come over and they would, they would, you know, take over Israel. And then they would, it's just, I just don't know how God does it with us. Yeah, Sometimes how he has the patience. You know what I mean? It's like I have my, my one and a half year old nephew, we get the pr- privilege of um, watching him every every so often. And it's like you tell him like, Luke, no, don't do that. Don't touch the hot stove. And he'll run over and he'll try to touch it again. And you grab it. And like, it's tiring. And I'm not even a parent yet. I'm an uncle, right? It's tiring <laughs> after a little bit. Yeah, God loves us so much that he even de- demonstrated his love in the Old Testament where everyone says he's an angry God in the Old Testament, but yeah. he demonstrates his love so much through judges and just his provision for his people. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's a great way to wrap it up for this week. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. If you want to check out all of our other resources, you can go to our website at grove.church and then just do us a favor, leave us a review on uh, whatever device you're listening on. It really helps us get the podcast out to more people and grow this community of people reading the Bible together. That being said, we'll see you all next week.